Welcome to the Spring Forth Podcast, a ministry of the First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. This recording was made on March 2nd, 2022, Ash Wednesday. As we begin our Lenten season, I invite you to join with the invocation as it is printed in your bulletin. God be with you. Let us pray. God of our hearts and not of our outer garments, nor our church structures, nor our programs and human plans, you are the only one who can make us pure. You are the only one who can wash us clean of all our sin and guilt You alone can save us from the terrible day of the Lord. You are merciful and a just God. If we turn, we see you. Help us to turn, O God of all hearts, and find you here with us, Emmanuel, the Christ heart within us all. We light our fires for you to reflect your shining. Amen. All of our hymnals are drawn from the Celebration Life hymnal, Blue Hardcover. And our first one is 151. Please rise if you're able.
Let us join together in our responsive reading, Psalm 103, found in our bulletin. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, and of great kindness. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our wickedness. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he has removed our sins from us, as a father cares for his children, so does the Lord care for those who fear him. The Old Testament reading for tonight is from Joel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, 12 through 17. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, it is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been from of old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, Gather the children, even infants, at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, where is their God? The epistle for this evening has come from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20b through 6 and verse 10. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time, I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation, I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found within our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless night, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and see we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. I sort of failed to mention at the beginning of the service that because of the blocked entryway, if anyone does need the restroom, don't feel embarrassed. Just come on and walk through the worship space because nature doesn't wait. Please rise for the gospel. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, 16 through 21 is the reading for Ash Wednesday, the gospel for Ash Wednesday. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward for your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing, that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret may reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of the Holy Gospel. 
Now let us join together in our hymn, number 174. Let us pray. Merciful, gracious God, we greet you this evening on the beginning of our Lenten journey, season of somber reflection. Forty days to transpire as we deepen our spiritual practices which keep us connected to you holding 
close to the promise of Easter and the renewal that it brings. But as we walk through this valley of the shadow of death, we know that you are with us and that you comfort us. And for that, we are grateful. As we prepare to begin this journey, help us to take perspective on what's going on in our lives and in the world. So nothing that you would want to teach us would be lost on us. Let us hold fast to the promise that you are with us. May you continue to open your revelation to us each and every day that we can feel your grace at all times, all circumstances, and move with confidence through that understanding that we are not alone. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. Lay upon us the grace of your blessing in your name. Jesus certainly places his disciples in an awkward position in the passage that we have for Ash Wednesday. And the lessons that we heard, they are the lectionary's set texts for Ash Wednesday. So it doesn't matter what Ash Wednesday you arrive at, you will be hearing the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, Joel or Isaiah, Psalm 103, and the second passage from Corinthians. Now, because we are in the Gospel of Matthew for this text, first of all, we have to understand that this is the sixth chapter, and Jesus has just called his disciples. He has promised them that if they follow him, he will teach them to be fishers of men. This takes place in the fourth chapter of Matthew. But by the time we get to chapter six, he takes away that bait. Even contemporary Christians only seem to know one way to evangelize, and that is usually verbal in context, case in point. Our default mode of advancing the knowledge of God is by speaking, talking, teaching, explaining, telling personal stories to reinforce the biblical stories, all designed to cultivate in our audience a desire to see similar threads in their life, which will hopefully cause them to remain or join the Christian way. We elicit support through narrative. It's no different from the first disciples, nor from us. And why not? We have this lesson firmly established by the great doctors of the church, beginning with the apostles Peter and Paul. We have Augustine, Anselm, Aquinas, John Chrysostom, Martin Luther, Calvin, Hus, Zwingli, and Wesley. Both of them, Charles and John. Each theologian heaps words upon top of words of other words, creating more words. Talking piety is what we do best. Yet this passage from Matthew is not only problematic for those of us who lack imagination about the ways that God can and should be conveyed in the world, Jesus asks us not to engage in acts of excessive piety for the sake of piety. I'm going to say that again. Jesus asks us not to engage in acts of excessive piety for the sake of piety. In our case, 
to talk ad nauseum about the platitudes of a life in Christ in the effort to appear devout or even impress those about us. It's not where he's at, not in tonight's text. He is not there. Now, I can appreciate Jesus helping us to reconsider how best to conduct our devotion and our piety. His call to mute our displays of piety are part of an admonition, but also part motivation. As our outward actions must have their roots in proper and thoughtful preparation. We don't want anyone just spouting off at the mouth without having really taken the time to introspectively think about what it is they're saying and what witness they are bearing. Christianity has had way too many black eyes and bruises as a result of people who are going off half meditated, half thought, talking about what they think they know Jesus wants us to do. With no preparation, a lot of hot air, a lot of posturing. Church gets hurt for that. A lot of people get hurt for that. Coercion is not discipleship, in case some of you are wondering, in case some of you have ever had your arms twisted to come to church, in case anyone has ever gotten a stink eye in church from somebody who knows how to conduct yourself when you're in worship. You know how brave this woman is here? No, I'm just, I'm just saying, do you, know, do you know how brave it is for her to come and have a pew full of children? Because she's like, and I'm up front too? <laughs> because because the, the scaffolding has denied me from my usual perch? But no, this is no shame on you, Casey, because but back in the past, I can tell you, there have been many esteemed glances that have been given to, uh, well, yes. <laughs> Corbin's like, witness, witness, I've been there. I remember those glances from my youth. <laughs> Shaming is not discipleship, neither is boasting. This invitation to stillness, to put forth the most invisible grace which commends us to God, an act of devotion done in this matter are performed for the cultivation of our interior. This is something that, that I would say that uh, my church in particular, but contemporary Christianity doesn't, we don't stress this enough. We don't stress the, the need to work on our interior. We make our faith all external in terms of just the, the displays of faith, the, 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 the verbiage that we use, but we don't stress enough the interior. Even our worship services, everybody wants a short worship service, get in, get out, you know, not too, not too much quiet because we can't handle silence. So Ash Wednesday sort of puts us in, it gets us on uneven ground because we're not used to being still we're not used to being quiet when it comes to our devotions. Perhaps that's what Jesus is intimating towards. The best acts of devotion are never understood as acts of devotion. They are done with such skillful transparency that the only impact is the gesture that is felt. Its intention is never defined. Those random acts of kindness that you don't know where they came from or what was the purpose of them. You just know that you were the recipient of a kind gesture and you don't question it. You receive it. You dwell and meditate upon it and maybe you're even transformed by it. As to why this has become the default text for Ash Wednesday, I can only venture a guess. Life is short. And our ability to model actions of God's love is limited during our brief lifespans. And why clutter and confuse this fine message with personal ego, status-seeking? When we pay respects to a life lived, we do not reflect on the opinion 
that the deceased held of themselves, we reflect on how their actions impacted us and the community they served. Oftentimes, there's some connection between the two, but in Jesus' estimation, if deeds are only done in order that we might remember the doer of the deed and not the reason for their deed, then the result is transactional, and it's not inspirational. And quite possibly too many of our attempts in Christendom throughout the ages has been the transactional masquerading as the inspirational. I led this person to the Lord. I did this. I created this mission event. Instead of God allowing us to be hands and feet and mission bearers, we claim the bounty. We like to point at things and say, you know, that was my doing. I was all over that. As Jesus says in the scriptures, those who twist up their faces in order to be seen by others have received their reward. Those who sound a trumpet before them as they give their alms, as they give to the treasury, have received their reward. Because they have the admiring glances, maybe even the sneers of the public who says, look at this fine, look at this big check this person wrote. Ooh, they must be somebody. As they prance and drop it in proudly in the plate and look around for admiring glances. You got your reward. So we, we have created, we're in, we're in danger of creating a transactional faith, which is just for the moment, but has no depth. It has no gravity. It's empty. And really, what have we accomplished? Jesus tells us to store up treasures in heaven. What exactly does that mean? We understand what it's like to store up treasures on earth. There's not a one of us that doesn't have a garage or a closet or a drawer at home that could use some going over because of storing up of treasures. I mean, you want to talk about sins, we could be here all night. But Jesus says, store up treasures in heaven. We see this emblematic in the ministry of Jesus, in his meeting people where they were at, in his making God real to them through acts of service, in hearing them. Do you realize what an incredible gift it is to be heard? Not heard with the event of the other person waiting to respond to what you've said, just to hold a space where you can be heard. No condemnation, no judgment, no correction. Just tell your story. I want to receive that. It's an incredible gift. And Jesus did that extremely well. I think that's why people fell all over themselves for him because they knew that when they had an audience with him, they were going to be heard. When they came to him for a need, he asked them, do you believe I can do these things? And through the profession of their faith in him, he says, go, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you whole. Go, your daughter lives. Your son's demon is gone. On the basis of the profession of their faith. Yes, Lord, we believe you can do these things. Interior work. Not external. Interior. So as we enter into this Lenten journey, and however you observe Lent, whether you're abstaining for something, whether you're going to adopt a spiritual practice that is unfamiliar to you and try to honor that for the next 40 days, 
However you connect with God during these next 40 days, we need to heed this invitation of Jesus and we need to embrace the power of quiet reflection, which serves to guide our outward actions as the full measure of God can be felt as we model our faith in simple yet powerful ways for the few precious days that we are given in this earthly life. And now as we prepare for the invitation to the observance of the Lenten discipline, I want to make you mindful of two prayer stations that we have tonight. I have a prayer station up here, candle one. Candle two is in the back. This will be your, that will be your prayer station, friends, and this will be your prayer station. When I do the imposition of crosses, which you're all invited to come forward, I want you to go to the, to the prayer station, there are tapers that are there. Light a taper, a prayer taper. If you want time for silent reflection or if you want to light a taper and then return to your pew for silent reflection, however, however you want to engage in that, that practice. But the idea is, is to realize that we come to this service tonight burdened. There's concerns, there's needs, there's immediate concerns that are close to us in our own family, in our own households. There's state and national, international concerns that are going on. Our minds arrive at this point as we contemplate our own mortality about just the years that we've had. So I want you to light a candle, emblematic of a prayer that, or prayers that you want lifted up. You don't have to verbalize them, the candle will be your witness. So that's, what, that's what's going on there with those stations. And now, if you will, uh, just prepare yourself to receive this invitation. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, the early Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection. It became the custom of the church that before the Easter celebration, there should be a 40-day season of spiritual preparation. During this season, converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when persons who had committed serious sins and had separated themselves from the community of faith were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to participation in the life of the church. In the way, the whole congregation was reminded of the mercy and forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need we all have to renew our faith. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church to observe Holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, and by reading, meditating on God's holy word to make a right beginning of repentance. And as a mark of our mortal nature, let us now bow before our Creator and Redeemer. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. Grant that these ashes may be to us a sign of our own mortality and penitence, so that we may remember that only by your gracious gift we were given everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. And now I invite you to come forward at will to receive the imposition.
we continue with our prayers. Most merciful God, you call us to remember that we are dust and that we shall return to the dust. It doesn't get any plainer than that. Give us your instruction. As we make our way through this season of Lent, bring the gentle correction that we need so we don't waste this precious gift of life that you've given us. Because we know all too well how quickly it escapes us. We know that you have set your seal upon us. Your guidance and restoration is real. Keep us in your care. The prayers that we have lifted up tonight in, in candles, you know and you have heard each request. You know our concerns. You know our worries. You know our fears. But you also know our hopes and our aspirations and our accomplishments. On behalf of your people, I ask that you receive these prayers that have been lifted up to you. And that in your will and in your way, you would bring your response to each petition. And if in order for these petitions to come to fruition, it requires us to change and turn into a different direction, if it means we must go from external to the internal, if it means that we have to start the ball rolling in some very tangible way, point us in that direction. For we, too, want to be part of the healing that is so desperately needed in the world. Remember us as we pray as one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
gifts we offer them for the sake of he who offered himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Is there anyone who does not have a communion kit? Because I know that we were jumbled coming in the back. Do you have them? Okay. All right, then. Let us join together on the covenant as it appears on the front cover of the hymnal. We covenant with the Lord and with one another and do bind ourselves in the presence of God to walk together in his holy ways. We will strive to be doers of the word and not hearers only, to be firm in faith, quickened in hope, and constant in charity. And we will consecrate our time, time, substance, and influence as heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. With the assurance of your companionship, we can move through life with confidence. Know that your blessing and your grace sustains us and carries us forth. It is only the mistakes that we have generated, our poor decisions, that mire us down. But the power of the sacrament absolves us, renews us, leads us forward. And we thank you for that. Amen. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. He took bread, he blessed it, and he says, this is my body given for you. Take remembrance of me. Then he presented them with a cup. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for the remission of sins. As often as we do eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Loving God, keep your eye upon us. Thank you for your grace which is felt in a variety of ways, most powerfully through the sacrament. Lift us up and sustain us and allow us to confront those things on our Lenten journey without fear. May the reminders of your presence with us be strong in the future as it is felt at this very moment. Guide us now and always. In your name, amen. Now we join together in our closing hymn, number 575. <laughs>
the grace of God, the love of Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you now and always. May it guide you safely through your Lenten journey, opening your eyes and your heart. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.